to the Amber Stitt Show. I am your host, Amber Stitt. And today we welcome the amazing Donnie McGuire. Thanks for being here, Donnie. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So our mutual friend said we have to meet, we have to get together. He knows you and he knows me. And so he thought we'd have a good time chatting about your life and kind of the day in the life in a whole different arena outside of the standard financial services, financial discussion. So here we are. So I appreciate it. And uh, so you're traveling for the most part for your job, but right now you're sitting in Nashville, you said in Tennessee. I am. That is correct. In a hotel room in Nashville, Tennessee. And we do what we can online, you know, working with so many people nationally for virtual too. And I know your projects can be anywhere. It's really fun to be able to pull people together. And so I appreciate you being here and I want the audience to know who you are and what you do. What's a day in the life for you? Well, currently the day in the life of me is working as a production manager in reality TV. And so I'm here in Nashville shooting a show that Mm -hmm. will premiere after the Super Bowl. So awesome. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're like gypsies in the, in this world where we travel a lot. We come together and we have to mesh really quick together. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't know each other. So we get intimate really quick. We get through the project and then we all disperse. And sometimes we see each other again. Most of the time we don't. So interesting. So when you think about like a team, you're essentially not working for a corporation, but you have to get together and work skillfully and have some patience with different personalities. Like you said, you might have worked with them before, maybe once, maybe never again. There's got to be a little bit of resilience and high adaptability skills to be able to get in and do like a batched project, especially in segments. So that's got to be a lot of work. But over time, I mean, I guess you kind of figure out how to work well and mesh well with different personalities. Do you find that like a lot of creatives are the same? or can it just be a mix? Oh, it's a total mix. Yeah, some people on the crew, they get it. We know we have to come together quick. We know we have to get along very quickly Mm -hmm. to get the end product because we're with each other 12 plus hours a day. So unfortunately, not everybody gets it. But for the most part, I think a lot of the crew understand what we have to do and what they have Mm -hmm. to do when we come together and you know play nice with each other and get through the project because when you don't, it's, it's not a fun project when you have that bad energy. Right, the energy too, because that could just translate... It could be on a phone call. People can feel the energy. So I can imagine it could come through on the creative side. We want to have that positivity. And we really focus on talents and doing what you love. And sometimes you don't always know what you're going to do in life. But I like to encourage the younger people too, just as they're getting out of, say, education, college, different things. You know, you might not know exactly what you're going to do, but try some things, work yeah. with people. I'm big on talking about really having great communication skills where you can with different groups. And it could be taxing and some environments. Like you work behind the scenes a lot. So like maybe you're not always out working like say a person across the table from a client, you know, you're more behind the scenes there, but having the ability to almost ninja through some of the different variations, I think is going to make people really globally competitive. So I like learning about stories and where people came from to see where they've landed, like now you in reality TV, but tell us a little bit before reality TV, was there any crazy odd job that you're like, can you believe that I was? Because I, I heard some rumors and I think they're true, but I think it'd be fun to hear. How did you get here? Or like, what was that crazy job you might've had that just maybe didn't make sense or maybe pieces of it made sense for your present life? Oh boy. Okay. Get ready for this story, Amber. It's a crazy (laughs) one. So I was in the honor guard in the third United States infantry. Okay. And what that was is we were basically toy soldiers. Thank you. We were toy soldiers. We did parades. We did a lot of funerals. Mm. I worked at the white house, the Pentagon, 
So doing that and then moving to the office that coordinated all the joint service to honor guard ceremonies for Washington, D.C. and the wow. military gave me a taste of what I do now. So I was in the mm. army. I did my time in the honor guard and then went to garrison, did my time with the office that coordinated all the ceremonies for joint service to honor guard ceremonies. And then when I got out of the army, I didn't know what I was going to do. And so it kind of led down a path of working for the railroad. And I got into mm-hmm. the railroad working as a track maintenance worker, which mm-hmm. is basically manual labor where you're pounding spikes and laying rail. And one day I looked up and saw a train going by and I looked at the engineer and I was thinking to myself, I'm too smart to be doing what I'm doing. I should be doing that. And then not it's too long. It's a little after, warmer up in there too, right? It's, it's a lot warmer up in the cab. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have a, you have a fridge, you have a heater, you know, you have yeah. a restroom. I mean, it's, you know, lap of luxury and those things, but I transitioned from track labor to a conductor. I mm. moved to California uh, where I started my career as a train conductor. And then, then eventually it led me to be an engineer as well. So I drove freight trains for the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad. No, okay, that's where I was going to ask next. I grew up in Nebraska, so UP, Union Pacific, held great jobs, but I don't know anything about the literal railway part of it, but I know a lot of people worked within that business growing up. It was a highly sought after job, and I think it might still be in the Midwest. It still is, and uh, my family, we're railroaders, so I was the first of my generation to do it, which was kind of cool having that connection with my uncles uh, that were with the Union Pacific. So it was great doing that, and you can make a great career at it, but it's a lot of time away from your family. A lot of times giving to the railroad. You're just working a lot, and didn't really sit well with me so which led me to this transition that I'm in now it just kind of happened where you can still travel for your projects too I suppose I can it's just a little bit of different travel where on the railroad you just have turnarounds and it's not the Mm. glamorous part of where you're staying like Barstow California Stockton California Fresno California no offense to to all the cities they're great but sure to stay there and then turn around and get another train and go back home was just really yeah for social life family life and, and so on I think we often forget what paved the way literally back in the day that maybe we need to have more gratitude for the ability that we can have these hybrid positions where like, like if you're on the road, like if I go to conference, I might bring my family, have a way to write something off and work and play. And there's some beauty in that. It's interesting that you can do that now, but I suppose you had to have a lot of discipline to be in the military. So I didn't know that about you. I knew that there might be something with the railway. We briefly talked about the younger generation and like being timely and having some of those basics Like we were talking about maybe showing up on time, like you're pretty disciplined. I think I'm really high responsibility. So I think we would always get that. But people can sense if you're showing up late or not communicating well or playing nice on a team environment can be detrimental. And that could potentially hurt when it comes to financial or other opportunities when it comes to work. So, And it's funny you say that because those three things you just mentioned are things that I learned in the military. Okay, so you didn't always maybe grow up being that kid. No. Yeah, the army really took care of that and instilled that discipline in me that I needed at the time. And I've carried over to present day, being on time, my leadership skills, knowing Mm -hmm. how to talk to people. Those are things that you learn in the military to get the best out of a team. Because in the end, that's what it is, is getting a team of people together and getting the best out of them. Usually at the end of an episode, I like to think about takeaways. But for the audience, what I'm hearing is... If you're not really dialed into some personal development of some level of like honing in on speaking styles. And right now I'm reading a few books on just storytelling. So I'm doing some writing and there's some beauty in that age old communication style of like people loving to hear stories and refer stories or like communicate something that's going on 
in our lives, like as people in, in our tribes of people, it's something that's so important. So I think if anything, as we get through this episode together today, that's going to be kind of that highlight of like, what are you doing to improve? And you didn't grow up with this discipline, but if it's important to you, you can work it into your life. So in addition to like, say the military and having this like, let's say systematic kind of learning how to have the system behind the process. When you went into reality TV, are there some sort of like metrics or things people have to kind of pass to be a part of reality TV? Or is it just, if you're a Kardashian, you can just tell a story. Is there any like science or systems behind reality TV that people would maybe not know about? I think they have an equation of how to piece something together that works across the board for most reality shows. Some of them will break that and come up with something different like they did with The Hills and Laguna Beach back in the day with MTV. It was shot totally different than anything was. People thought back it was then. real. Yeah, and everyone thought it was real, but it was all mm-hmm. reality. So yeah, there's a template, but you know, it's up to that producer to push the boundaries and change it and come up with something different and new. So let's talk about what you do as far as crafting the show. So like Book for Dummies, give it to me straight. Is your day different depending upon what the duties are to like produce this? Yeah, no, every day is different. I'm usually hired first. So we in production management will handle all the pre-production, everything from hiring crew to looking for locations to bringing in equipment for that location to communicating with the on air talent in whatever capacity that might be to actually doing the shoot during production, mm-hmm. being on set every day, having to come up with call sheets every day with schedules every day. So call sheets kind of like, here's what we're doing today. Yeah. The call sheet is just a schedule with Agenda. everybody's names, numbers on it. So that way it's a quick reference to where you're going, what you're doing. The weather, all of that. Oh, yeah, too. Because it's yeah. true, because there's things that can just change it up. So what gave you the most excitement when it came to one of the shows that you've worked on? That would be, yeah, hands down, Top Gear USA. Because what I didn't mention before is I, I do work in production management as a production okay. manager and a line producer. They're different roles, but I also work as an assistant director. And okay. the assistant director basically echoes whatever the director wants and needs. And you basically have one voice on set for safety okay. concerns. Sure. And to be able to push out information so there's no misinformation, communication, mm-hmm. we just talked about. It's given and then received. That's proper communication. So doing that on that show was just so much fun because that's really the capacity that I have is to be able to talk to a lot of people at once, hear a lot of things in different ears at once, and then get the information out that's in, in a timely manner. And it's something that you know, people always ask, you know, can you teach me this? And I'm like, no, it's something you can't be taught. Either you have that in you or you don't. Like you have to immerse yourself into the chaos. And I suppose uh, even police, I remember doing some gun training and they have the piece in the ear. They could have a person in front of them that's bad and they're getting information, but they have to stay cold and not have their heart racing because there's danger and just sirens are going off. But like in your world, for the audience that doesn't know about the show, I believe you're talking about car racing, correct? Yeah, it's a show... We have three great hosts, Adam Ferrara, Rutledge Wood, yeah. and Tanner Faust. <laughs> and they do crazy fun things in vehicles. So it is up to me to make sure that we're safe. It is up to How me to make sure. How do you determine that? I mean... Uh, <laughs> well, like when you're we're filming on live roads, we will have police working with us to close down that said road. And it's up to me, the AD, to make sure everything's safe Mm -hmm. before I call action for that said host like Tanner Faust to come ripping around the corner. He's got to trust that 
I cleared it and everything's safe. So I have to go up and down that road with the officer, make sure there's no cars around. If there's any roads leading to that, we have someone locking it off. And so we make a run just before we hit action. And then I call action as soon as it's safe. So it's just, you know, being diligent really and being slow because we move so fast, but you have to slow Mm -hmm. down and make sure everything's safe. But I could just picture that in my head. So I appreciate you like describing that. It's very neat to see that the progression of we're talking about from looking up, working (laughs) literally on the railroad to then say, I want to do something else. But I think it's important for people to know that you might not know what's going to be out here. And it could be at any age too, where you can have different changes. And I have a lot of transition people in my world where, you know, my colleagues, I'm in my forties and they might be in their sixties to seventies and they might be doing something new because we're living long lives. And so that's why I really want to encourage people to think like, if there's something you're being called to change it up, add it on, maybe do that second job or that train yourself in something because what you're doing now sounds pretty amazing, but it makes sense as far as working the type of like, now you're working with police and other people for safety. In addition to having the military background, like that is really cool to see that unfold. And I didn't talk about my transition of how I got into the industry from driving freight trains. So every three years they have a triennial exam. That's a written test, a ride along test with your boss and a, a physical. And so I've always been partially colorblind. When I first hired out the railroad, I just had to tell them what colors were on the page. Sure. So on this typical re-exam, if you would, we mm-hmm. had to stand certain feet from some signals and tell them what color we were. I missed two of them because they weren't bright enough. Went back at night, got them all right. Yeah. And then after all of that, the railroad said that you're colorblind and you can't drive trains so anymore. you didn't know younger. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I was, I've always been partially colorblind, so I can tell the primary colors, which sure. led me to be able to drive freight trains. But for some reason, they thought I was colorblind. So that led me down a road of trying to figure out if I would be working with the railroad again or if I had to go elsewhere. And I eventually had to go elsewhere. And so... A good friend of ours was a head of HR at MTV Networks, asked me Mm. if I wanted to answer phones at the front desk until I figured it out. And so I said, sure. So I spent a summer at MTV Networks answering the phones at the front desk and had a great time until I figured out that I wasn't going to go back to driving trains and I had Mm -hmm. to do something else. And that was, gosh, I think I was 31, 32 at the time that I had to make a career change, which is I mean, think about that. Like it's been up until the last 10, 20 years that there's been more virtual options or like hybrid, like you don't Mm -hmm. go work somewhere specifically those natural, like traditional jobs. So if you're going to go answer phones, you might just say, well, you know, gosh, I'm going to have to work up the, you know, the ladder here. It'd be hard to know like what's out there, what's available, but like, I think a lot of us have to cut the teeth comment, but like cut like the phones, yep. sales calls, some yep. of those things that are just like involuntarily, you're just like, I don't love this, but <laughs> it's also part of getting your foot in the door. And so a lot of times it's like, if you want to get in that room, pour water at the table, you know, like serve the people that you want to be around. I've heard other people say that. And we have an MC that we interviewed once. And he said, I was a DJ at Disney where there was like the long lines for the rides and he would just do hip hop or like, <laughs> (laughs) whatever for the kids to like and because of the relationships though that he met it's taken him around the globe and so there's some magic behind things that you might not be able to see that are worth it but like the reason i went down this tangent though just to go back to age 30 and learning you're colorblind like that could have been pretty devastating to say now what am i going to do or scary like Am I limited now? And that's what mm-hmm. I meant to say at that transition, like in your 30s. I had no idea what I was going to do. It was a dark period where you're just kind of having to figure out things. And I didn't know that the industry 
that I'm working in now really mm-hmm. existed or I could do that until I started answering phones and, you know, realized, hey, maybe I could do something else. And so I literally went upstairs to Nickelodeon Talent for a hot minute and then ended up <laughs> in development with MTV2. And I stayed there for about a year before I figured out I had to leave. And so yeah. I left development and then started working in production and I've been in production ever since. It's just from project to project to project. So I imagine that you have a lot of juicy stories. Are you ever going to potentially have a podcast where you're going to share all these nuggets? (laughs) Am I I going to put that goal out there for you? I love that, Amber. I mean, you know, (laughs) truthfully, Amber, you're the reason why I decided to come up with this podcast called Go For Donnie, where we're going to actually talk about some fun, crazy behind the scenes stories from reality TV and branded content and film. So mm. I want to thank you for, How's for that? putting the How's bug that? in my ear. So oh, months yeah? ago when we connected. Oh, right. We were trying to get together. Yep. About being on your podcast. I was like, this is really cool. I've never done anything like this. Why would you want to talk to me? Yeah. And so in talking with our mutual friend, Jay, mm-hmm. um, who we worked together on Top Gear for five seasons, I just said, hey, Jay, why don't we do a podcast? Mm-hmm. Why don't we do a podcast and we can talk about all the fun stories that we had on Top Gear? Because whenever we're together, that's all we ever do. And he was just, it didn't yeah. take him long before he said, you know what? That's a good idea. Yeah. And so it really happened that quick. And it happened because you asked me to be on your podcast. So I can't thank you enough. Yes. Yeah. Lots of things there. I do a personality assessment called Gallup Strength Finder. So I have high input. So sometimes I'm collecting all these thoughts up here and it's like, mm-hmm. blah, how do you put it out? But for today and for listeners, What you just said, Donnie, I have a friend right now. She admits I have this imposter syndrome. I know that I'm good at these things, but I don't know why I'm in the room sometimes. And I'm like, you don't understand how great your communication style is. So I'm telling her these things like she needs to hear this. And I've gone through where people support me and like level me up and say, you're great at X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh, no. And I had to train myself about, I don't know, a couple of years back to stop doing that because what people see in you, like your friend Jay or myself knowing like that you'd be a good fit here, it goes back to those stories and what I've been reading too. But like sharing stories, I mean, there's like this standing the test of time. We could have AI, we could have all this tech and all these things and we're moving so fast. But ultimately at the end of the day, having those conversations is what's like what lifts people up. So it's like putting yourself out of the comfort zone. My uncle, he uh, kind of retired went into some commercial real estate and he does a podcast, but he'd rather be on stage. Podcasts get him kind of fidgety. He's like, I need to walk and like touch and move around. And Pete Vargas is a speaking coach that I go to his workshops and he's like a lion on the stage. He's just moving around, but he's a pastor at heart and he's just like up in the audience. So podcasting, he can do it, but like he's roaming on the stage, but it's like kind of giving yourself that like push outside your comfort zone. It's good. And then like you look back and you're like, oh, that was not that big of a deal. And Totally. And it's like on to the next. The analytical ones need a metric to say, how does this monetize me? But I think we forget like the magic that can come from the networking and you never know what can come from it. So that's what's really been great for me. Networking, 100%. My wife works in HR and she does a lot of classes on that. And networking is one of the biggest things that she puts out there. In HR, that's pretty amazing because sometimes HR, they don't get access, I think, sometimes to be super helpful. They could be inundated. There's a lot of admin. Yeah, no, she's she's an executive coach. So she does workshops and she 
preaches that. And so just by osmosis, like I'm like, oh, relationships count, relationships mm-hmm. count and making those relationships because you never know where they're going to lead to. And that's where I really encourage, like I have this thing that I say, take action today. And I say that when I do my financial discussions, little changes can make a big difference. So whether or not you claim to be introvert, extrovert, or even if you don't believe those are things, you can take your time out of like your comfort zone to go collaborate virtually or in person or both. And you get to decide and put boundaries on that. If it's a coffee meeting or no, I'm just going to podcast or no, I need to be out and do social things like happy hours with people. You get to decide, but like, if you're not doing it, you got to put yourself out there. There's going to be no fruit if you don't really plant those seeds. And so sometimes it takes a little bit of patience and giving yourself grace, but I think you're going to motivate people to kind of think outside the box. And I'm glad that you're doing something new for you too, because I think that's just Good for us. Otherwise, I can't seriously can't thank you enough because I never would have thought about doing this. Mm -hmm. And for years, I've talked about getting together and talking about stories. Some of the guys wanted to write books about it. And, and, you know, all these great ideas, but there was no action taken. And I always wanted to take the action. And now that we're doing it, it just feels weird and cool and unsettling, but exciting at the same time. Because, you know, you don't want failure because, you know, oh yeah, you want to put yourself out there, but you don't want people to tell you that it's shit. So there's like, they call it vanity metrics too, where there's certain like influencers that have a ton, reality TV, makeup. There's other things that are always going to be cooler than talking about like financial and building business maybe at some times. But ultimately, if you're still affecting a few people and then you feel that purpose, and that's where I'm seeing a lot when I talk about my older generation of colleagues, they're transitioning and they don't have that other thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, I was on stage for this thing, or I've only worked with clients face-to-face thing. And there wasn't like this other layer of like another path, two, three, four. And then it gets yanked from them. And they're trying to like, it's like going from military to civilian. Like, I don't know how to be, I just came back from war. And that's awful to say that because that's a way more serious thing. But I think people can really lose themselves if they don't have this other like layer to like a blossom, essentially, from what I've experienced not to take away from people that, you know, go to civilian because I have a lot of clients that are military physicians, but like that experience of trying to like plug back in. That's transition. It's a different hard. world. Yeah. It's a diff- totally different world. I had a hard time. I was an infantryman. So although yeah. we, you know, what I did, you know, and at the end, I, court- I, mean, I even played soccer for the army team, but mm. we were still infantrymen and we still had to train and be proficient at it. So yeah. you're still training to shoot someone. And yeah. so you have it in your head, you know. You can't like be relaxed and like. Yeah, you have to be on guard. It's just it's just yeah. a weird thing. So transitioning, even when you're not in combat, is just, it's a strange thing. Yeah. So that's where like the personal development part is like, keep doing it. Because with new technology and new things in our environment, there's just going to be more than history's ever provided for us. Like we can study history, but. There's always going to be new things. We can't predict what's coming. So always innovating is part of the one of the steps too in our framework. So really, I appreciate you being here. And it was good to finally get together. I know, finally. And so if you need a you know a guest or like anything like maybe I don't yeah, know how that would yeah. plug in over there, but I you know you, Jay has my calendar. So I'll raise you up and give you props for this idea. Hell yeah! I mean, you okay. literally are the idea for it, and it's such a cool idea. And the research that I've done, like, there's just nothing like this, like talking about the. But I think fun it also shit. can help you bring like the memory, like the nostalgia back too for you. Like, there's some those moments were pretty pretty impactful. And then telling the story vividly can then help people kind of relate and pull in maybe something else for themselves. So I can't wait for you. So it's got to happen. I can't wait to see the launch. So we're going to link up some information about you to our description box, but then we might be adding more to it. We'll see how that goes. No pressure. (laughs) That'd be awesome. No pressure at all. (laughs) Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, And we'll talk soon, okay? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 
Thank you for joining us on today's episode of The Amber Stitch Show. For more information about the podcast, books, articles, and more, please visit me at amberstitt.com. Until next week, enjoy your journey at home and at work. Thank you for listening.